So to become a, a Presbyterian pastor, you are required to learn the biblical languages, biblical Hebrew and biblical Greek, and we are the last denomination that requires that. So that means two things. One is that before you go to seminary, you think long and hard about whether you might be a Baptist, because um, those languages are really hard to learn. The second thing is that once you begin to learn them, you learn their value, I think. It's very difficult to learn, but we're going to talk about seven Hebrew words that every Christian should know, in part because it makes the Old Testament open up more fully for us to understand the words that would have been originally used. Also, these are the words that our Lord and Savior would have learned growing up. These are the words that informed his faith and understanding in God in his human capacity. So to know more about what he knew is to know more of his story. And so we're going to look at seven Hebrew words every Christian should know. And the first today is called the Shema. And we will read from Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we did not come to this place this morning hoping to hear a human word, we came to hear you speak light and love into our lives. And so it is my prayer, Lord God, that you would silence all of our voices and that you would take the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and make them of you. Speak, Lord, for your people are listening. Amen. There's something called an organizing principle that sometimes gets talked about in business or in philosophy, and this is what an organizing principle is. It is the one principle upon which everything else flows, right? So it's the one central idea around which you organize everything else. I'll give you an example. For the past 25 years, except for this one, in the fall, the organizing principle in the Bolger household is that there is always football on Saturdays. Don't ask to do anything on a Saturday. Don't ask to go anywhere. We will be in front of the television all day watching football. It's our organizing principle. Another one might be, if you were looking at the solar system, the sun is the organizing principle. The idea that the sun is at the center and all of the planets are around that, that's the organizing principle of our solar system. And so if you're going to learn about the solar system, you learn it after first learning about the sun. This, the Shema, these are the words that will become the organizing principle for all of Judaism and for all of Christianity. The word Shema in Hebrew simply means, oh, hear, 
Oh, listen. And so now the Shema, that word, has come to represent this entire verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. It is a nice little compact way of understanding all of what the Lord has given us. The Lord is our God. That is the claim that because of God and who God is, God has reached out to humanity and offered a relationship, offered a covenant. That's not something we did. That's something the Lord God offered us. The Lord God is our Lord alone. At the time when the Shema was first introduced, it was quite common to worship other gods, to have idols, to have other things that would have been just as important as the Lord God. And if you think it isn't the same today, you aren't really paying attention, right? We have our own idols, our own gods in our lives today. And so this is the reminder that the Lord God has reached out to us in love and grace. And we reach back and we agree to worship only the Lord our God. And we do that by loving loving God with all of our heart, soul, and strength, and as Jesus says later, and also loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Now, at the time when this is written, I'm going to give you a little brief Old Testament history. The people of Israel have suffered under Pharaoh. They are enslaved. For generations they have cried out to God, help us, help us. And the Lord God has listened. The Lord God sends Moses, and he promises to lead them out of slavery and into the promised land, a place that could be their own. And so the exodus begins. They're led out into this wilderness. And you might think that when you're in this wilderness, when it is so very frightening that you would cling to God even more, but the truth is they're still humans even in the wilderness. And so they worry that there won't be enough to eat because the manna comes, but it only comes for a little while. What's going to happen tomorrow? Moses has gone far too long talking to God upon Mount Sinai, so they'll actually make a golden calf and start to worship that just to have some security. And over and over again, the Lord God teaches them through Moses, through the Ten Commandments, that they should rely upon God. And so at this part of Deuteronomy, they've made it through the wilderness. And Moses is speaking with the people right before they're going to enter into the promised land. The promised land that is described as flowing with milk and honey. Moses will not be going with them into the promised land. And so he gathers them together and he says, here's what you need to remember. Remember that the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. And he tells them, teach this to your children. Say it when you lay down, say it when you rise. Today, this Shema is a prayer that's offered by faithful Jews every day. They do say it when they wake up. They say it when they go to sleep. It is said that on their deathbed, the Shema is the last prayer they hope will pass their lips because it reminds them that God has chosen them and that in response, we will follow the Lord.
So they're getting ready to go into the promised land and they will no longer worry about what they will eat. They will no longer worry about what they will live. Do you know what the new worry is? The new worry is that they're coming into a land of prosperity. They're coming into a place where there will be gorgeous cities already built and they'll get to be a part of it. They are coming into a place where the culture around them tells them that they should be worshiping other gods. They will come into a place where they don't have to worry about food. This is the land of milk and honey. And Moses says to them, this can get you off track. Prosperity can get you off track as much as your fear did in the wilderness. And so before you go into this land, he offers them the Shema. Remember who you are and to whom you belong. Today, for modern Jews, they still use the Shema in this way as a prayer. It is still a reminder of who they are and to whom they belong. And to us as faithful Christians, we are reminded too. If you are studying the Old Testament, there are 613 commandments that you're supposed to follow. And so for faithful Jews throughout the years, the question becomes, well, my heavens, which one is the most important? There are 613. Some of them contradict each other. How do we follow them? How do I be a person of faith? And so over again, the rabbis and religious leaders would say that this, the Shema, is not necessarily the most important but it is the one through which we learn all of the others. If you want to know anything about those other 612 commandments, you have to think of them in terms of the Shema. What does this commandment tell me about how I may love God better? What does this commandment tell me about what it means to be a person of faith? Do you see the Shema is the organizing principle? Anything that happens in the life of faith for a faithful Jew should be seen through the lens of the Shema, of God's claim on us and our response to God. And so when this person comes to Jesus and says, which is the greatest commandment, it is a question that has been asked over and over again. And Jesus says, Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. People of faith, that's your organizing principle. When you wake up tomorrow morning and it's a Monday, and you start making that list of all the things you have to do during the week, and there are 613 things on that list, and you don't know which one is more important, I want you to hear, O oh church, that the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. What are the things on your list that will help you love your neighbor and God better? Those are the important ones. When you are in that place where you are broken with grief, when you have 613 emotions and all of them weigh you down and you can't see the light for the darkness, you need to offer up the Shema. Hear, O church, the Lord is our God. The Lord has not forgotten you in your grief. 
The Lord is there. The Lord long ago offered a hand to all of humanity, and the Lord offers it still. This is our organizing principle. When we get bound down by the 613 different commitments we have, when we are overwhelmed with the 613 tasks we have to complete, that's when we remember that the question to ask is, does what I'm doing in my life, does it help me love God and does it help me love neighbor? That's the Shema. That is our organizing principle as people of faith. And the good news is, is that we come back, right, week after week to this time of worship to be reminded, oh yes, I'm supposed to organize my life around love of God and love of neighbor. It's a constant reminder. And the good news is that we will never get it right, but we will always be forgiven over and over again. Why? Because of who God is not because of who we are. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And all those other things that we think should matter, all those other things that our culture tells us are really our gods, like success or money or physical appearance, all of those things fall by the wayside because we are a people who love the Lord our God and our neighbor as ourselves. Let everything else fall away. Thanks be to God, and amen. Mm -hmm.